You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Got a fun-filled podcast for all of you today as Arkansas is going to be facing off against Missouri in this battle line rivalry or whatever you want to call it uh, coming up this Saturday. And I always like to get the other side of it, other perspectives from the people who cover Missouri and Dave Matter of uh, the STL.com as well as the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Does a great job of covering Missouri and has been around a long time. And he was able to come on my show today and talk more about Arkansas and Missouri. So I'm really looking forward to this interview and playing it back for you. So without further ado, let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Dave Matter of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch joining us right now on the podcast. Dave, appreciate it, man. How you doing this afternoon? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and I just want to ask you about Missouri's season so far, because here in Arkansas, everyone's happy with the results of Arkansas because you've been terrible for so long now that you're just starting to win games. People are pretty satisfied with the job Sam Pittman's done in year one. But what's the Missouri feel from all the fans and Eli Drinkwitz and all that? How's the vibe in Columbia right now for Missouri football? I've, I've been saying for like last week, I think Eli could run for mayor right now in Columbia and probably win no matter who ran against him. People are really excited about this right now they've won four of their last five you know this was a team that vegas had them under over for season wins at three and you know that seemed pretty shaky when you when they're adding lsu and alabama their two extra games the lsu hasn't had a good season but um you know still the defending national champion so for them to be to sit here at four and three um probably going to be favored in two of their final three games we know they're favored against arkansas and probably be favored against mississippi state not not so much against georgia um, fans here are pretty excited. He created a good buzz with his signing class and then the commitments that he got after signing day back in February. And then, you know, the season comes along and, and they've, they've won some games people didn't expect them to win. They've been an entertaining team. And uh, I think fans are really bought in at this point. So what was uh, we know about the Vegas, what, what they put it at, what they set it at, the expectations, but we know fans are different. So coming into the season, what was the consensus from the fan base? What did they expect to see? Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody thought this team was going to go compete for the SEC East by any means. Uh, there were big questions at quarterback, big questions along the offensive line. You know, people just didn't know what to expect from the offense. It had just been so bad last year. Um, they just didn't have any kind of plan at all. And ultimately, that's probably what cost Barry Odom his job, um, just the direction that the offense went. The defense was, was really good, as you would expect for a Barry Odom defense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think people really knew what to expect. It's not like Drinkwitz had this you know, tremendously long track record where you can look at it and say, okay, well, here's what you can expect from him because here's what he's done at other places. He only been a head coach for one year at Appalachian State, and he inherited a really good situation there. So I think people were cautiously optimistic, but also – you know, they had watched those last few years of the Odom regime and had a pretty good feel for what the talent base was and, and you know, had pretty measured expectations. I, I don't think people – I don't think many people at all, once that 10-game SEC schedule came out, thought that Missouri would have a chance to be 500 or even over 500. You know, you brought up the Barry Odom angle, and I think that's what Razorbacks fans are looking at and hoping that it can offer an advantage for them going up against the Tigers and 
personnel and staff and team that everybody that Barry Odom was very familiar with, they're hoping that they can have some advantage there. But what do you make of the story of Barry Odom returning back to Columbia now as the defensive coordinator of Arkansas? Do you feel like there's an advantage there for the Razorbacks? And what do you make of this story so far? Well, I think it kind of there's some give and take both ways because Missouri's defensive staff, you know, three of his former coaches, uh, including his defensive coordinator, are still in place at Missouri. And Ryan Walters is still coordinating Missouri's defense. He learned under Barry um, everything, not everything he learned about defense, but a lot of it he ever learned about defense was, was from Barry. So, um, you know, he can provide Drinkwitz pretty good scouting report, not necessarily on Arkansas's personnel, but, hey, here are Barry's tendencies. Here's what he likes to do structure-wise, down and distance. Um, you know, I, I, he feels like they've got a, probably a pretty good read on that. Uh, so there's some intelligence sharing both ways. And, then, of course, you know, Barry knows Missouri's players. Uh, he doesn't necessarily know their offense because he was it, this wasn't the system that they had when he was in place. But you know he also knows kind of what um, what tendencies, what things that Ryan Walters likes to run on defense. So um, that that part of the game I think is pretty interesting. You know, Drinkwitz made it pretty clear this week they've got to be very cautious with their signals. Uh, but he says, you know, that's something you got to do every week because there's so much gamesmanship going on. Even if the you know coordinator on the team you're playing isn't the former head coach. People are always trying to steal signals. So uh, I think that part of the game is, is fun and interesting. You know, there's there's also just the element of, you know, Barry, Barry played at Missouri, coached at Missouri for a long time before he was even the head coach. So this place does mean a lot to him. And, and I know he, without even talking to him, I don't have to talk to him, I know he wants nothing more than to, than to beat the, the, the school that he cares so much about and spent so much time, part of his life, devoting his time to. And they, they fired him a year ago. So. Um, you know, I don't, there, there's, it, there's no bad blood between him and Missouri's players. They love him. You, you talk to any one of them on the roster for the most part, and you'll, you'll get that sentiment from them. And I don't necessarily think there's any bad blood between him and Drinkwood. They, I don't know if they know each other that well. They do share an agent, but that's true for every coach in the SPC. So, um, and he, he obviously is close to uh, a couple of the coaches on the staff uh, that, that stuck around after him. But I know he'll want to beat Missouri, and, you know, Missouri – They'll they'll want to beat him, but Martez Manuel, Missouri safety, made a great comment the other day. He just said, the, the, the best way for me to show respect to Coach Odom is prepare for this game like it's, like it's the Super Bowl. And, uh, and I'm sure if, if that quote made its way to Barry, he would, he would understand and respect that too. So what was the deciding factor in moving on from Barry Odom? Because being on the outside looking in, most people think that uh, Barry Odom should have still been the coach now. You know that Missouri invested a lot in, in in facilities and resources, and they just never got on a wave of momentum. You know that team last year, there was pretty high expectations for that group. He went out and got the graduate transfer quarterback and Kelly Bryant, who did have some injuries, but it just didn't work out. You know, he went and picked Gary Thule as his offensive coordinator. It was a hire that raised a lot of eyebrows around the country when he when he made it, and. You know, he looked okay and did okay when he had an NFL quarterback in Drew Locke. But after that, the offense just had no identity. It had no answers. It couldn't solve problems at all. And the program just kind of, the, the momentum just, just halted to a stop. In his He was a 500 coach over four years, and that's what's playing some pretty bad non-conference schedules. And I think the kind of the M.O. on those teams were they never beat anybody they weren't supposed to beat. In other words, they never pulled off an upset. And they lost too many games to teams that they were picked to beat. They had a really bad loss at Vanderbilt last year. There was a, 
a year where they lost in Middle Tennessee. Um, they could never get over the hump against Kentucky. Lost to them every year, and uh, it just they just couldn't get momentum. They couldn't take that next step, and and ultimately Jim Stark, Missouri's AD, he did not hire Barry, so he he didn't have that that natural commitment to the guy that he brought in, and and felt like he needed to start clean with somebody new. We'll continue our discussion with Dave Matter here in just a second. But first, though, folks, it isn't so nice, isn't it, how cold it's getting outside and you walk into your house and you want to turn on the tube and watch some Christmas movies. And while you're watching those Christmas movies with your family or maybe it's just by yourself or maybe it's with your significant other, no matter what, that's a time to chill. And if you're going to chill during a chilly moment, why not drink Coors Light, the beer that's literally made to chill? It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. And it's the official beer of watching any sport or any team or any Christmas movie. It's best for everything. And that's, a, that's no lie, folks. Every time I sit back and I enjoy myself in my recliner, I reach for Coors Light. It's the only one I need to hit to make sure I unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are locked on Razorbacks. Your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. No, Dave, this game that Arkansas and Missouri play, it's been given a name called the Battle Line Rivalry, and it's been given a trophy by our own David Basil here. He helped design it here on 103.7 The Buzz, and it was mainly started when the Arkansas and Missouri teams had to start meeting at the end of the year. Arkansas no longer faced LSU, and we know that Missouri just joined the conference. I've been going off and saying it's not a rivalry yet. It feels like it's forced. It feels like sometimes the coaches and players can make uh, uh, comments to try to fuel it a little bit, but it doesn't feel real. Up there at Missouri, and in just in your personal opinion, do you view this as a rivalry, and do the Missouri fans view this game as a true rivalry? No, not yet. It, I, I agree it kind of feels forced, um, but Missouri doesn't really have an option. They, they, they sacrificed their rivals when they left the Big 12 and joined the SEC, so they don't really have any right or place to uh, – to complain that they don't have a natural rival when they when they when they join a new conference. So they, I think, going into the SEC, they kind of knew that was one of the casualties of leaving the the Big Twelve behind. And you got to start somewhere. And and I think if if you're Missouri and you got to pick one school, Arkansas does make sense because there is some history there. There was a good basketball non-conference rivalry over the years when when Norm Stewart was at Missouri. He tried to schedule Arkansas all the time. They had some good games back and forth. You've got the Frank Broyles connection. Um, you know, regionally, you know, Missouri doesn't really feel like a, a, a regional kinship with the Floridas and the South Carolinas and, um, you know, even even Kentucky, Tennessee. It's still Missouri still considers itself more of a Midwestern state. And Arkansas is right there is, is the closest school. So it, in that case, it does make some sense. But also the, the teams just haven't been good at the same time in football for the most part. Um, you know, Brett had things going pretty well there when Missouri first joined the league, uh, you know, and they didn't play there those first two years in the league, which didn't make a whole lot of sense for Missouri's first two years. And then in Pinkles last year, that team was really bad. That Missouri team was really bad, lost a, an awful game uh, in, in Fayetteville, the last game of the year. And then Barry kind of picked some things up at, at Missouri right when the Chad Morris era started and never really got <laughs> off the ground. But they just haven't played a relevant game yet. This, this one feels like it more so. And there are, you know, a lot of storylines back and forth. Eli being from Arkansas, and Barry obviously his ties 
Uh, I don't sense any real bad blood, which is what you kind of need to have a good rivalry. But um, maybe it'll get there. It's just going to take some time. Give us some insight into this current team. Um, how's the team built, and what's the strength of the team? When you think of Missouri, you know they always have a good defensive line. Yeah, and, and this year they really hadn't until recently because they've had so many guys out with injuries and COVID and contact tracing. It's kind of similar to what Arkansas, Arkansas had a couple weeks ago where they just had to find some guys and move them around. And even, even Missouri's game with Georgia, the reason they couldn't play that game was because they didn't have – they only had three defensive linemen available. Uh, so since then they've gotten everybody back, and last week, it really was kind of the strength of their team. Granted, it was against Vanderbilt, but it was it was the best Missouri's look up front. You know, they pitch a shutout. Nick Bolton is their do-everything linebacker who's just been exceptional this year. Uh, their secondary is pretty solid. Uh, they When they tackle well, which they do for the most part, you know, they're a very, very good defense. They don't, they don't get the takeaways that Arkansas does. That's one big major difference. They have not had many interceptions this year. They, they're just very good on third down and getting off the field. And then offensively, uh, that's been a little bit more of a work in progress. You know, you, you get a new quarterback in there. They started the year with Sean Robinson, the transfer from TCU. He struggled early, so they go to Connor Basilak, the redshirt freshman, who has looked really, really good at times. And, um, you know, he's still very young. He doesn't have a great supporting cast as far as receivers go, but he, he still kind of makes it work. And their running game has been pretty solid with Larry Roundtree, who is uh, – you know, one of the leading rushers in the SEC. I think he's the, in the power five. I think he's had more carries than, than any current running back in the country. So it's, he's been around forever, and they give him the ball a lot. So they, they've kind of built around what they can do um, in that running game and, and then whatever Basilak can do to help them stretch the field a little bit. Okay, you mentioned Basilak. I'm looking at his stats, and just explain this to me, Dave. He's got over 1,600 passing yards. He's completed over 70% of his passes but only five touchdowns? I, I just doesn't add up. I feel like if somebody's completing that many passes yeah. in, in the yardage, he'd have a lot more scores, but only five touchdowns on the season. How's that possible? And, and four of them came in one game against LSU. <laughs> yeah. He's thrown, the, he's thrown the ball around a little bit. I will say, and sometimes it's just a coincidence, they've had some pass plays that have kind of died inside the five-yard line. Either guy gets tackled or whatever. So they, they've ended up turning into you know short yardage rushing touchdowns a lot of the time. Sometimes that's just bad luck on the quarterback. Then I think more of it is they don't really have a game breaker at receiver. It's it's really a committee approach. It seems like they've got a whole team of possession receivers who don't necessarily get a lot of yards after the catch. So he they, they kind of have to dink and dunk sometimes, and he's good with that because he like you said he completes seventy five percent of his throws. Um, they just haven't had a lot of big stretch plays on offense. He's been fine. Um, but it's kind of you know, take what the defense gives him. He's smart enough and patient enough to do that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It is it is kind of an anomaly that he's got those yards and, and those numbers and just not the touchdown. Well, you mentioned um, taking what the defense gives you, which makes you a, a good balanced offense, which I think most teams, that's what they're working towards. That's what they would want to be. But is this team better at running or passing the ball? It, it sort of depends, and that's been one interesting thing with Drinkwitz. He doesn't necessarily lean on one or the other. You know, they played Kentucky, and that final score was only 20-10. to 10. It, it didn't really stand up. But Missouri, they held the ball for almost the entire game. They were fine with just running it for four yards to carry and throwing it on third down when they needed to. And they didn't feel like they really had to push the tempo and score a whole bunch of points because their defense was playing so well. 
And then they get in, uh, you know, a week earlier, they played LSU. They threw for 400 yards. They were going up and down the field constantly, running their no-tempo offense um, at, at a really fast tempo the whole game. So they've been able to adjust. They kind of go with whatever they think gives them the best matchup. Their offensive line uh, has been kind of up and down. It's been fairly inexperienced going into the year. They just got two guys back last week. Their right tackle and their left guard had missed a couple games with injuries. They look a lot better with those guys in there last week, and they're expected to be ready to go again on Saturday. Uh, so it's it's a balanced offense. That's what Drinkwitz has always had historically. Um, you know, he's had some guys where he's had really good passers when he's been a coordinator. He's had other years where the quarterback's more of a dual threat guy. Um, but always, you know, balanced with a pretty with a pretty consistent running game. We'll continue our discussion with Dave Matter here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about the new and improved Built Bar. You've heard me talk about it, and I'm going to keep talking about it because, folks, this thing is for real. I love the fact that I can be able to eat something that's so convenient, that tastes amazing, and that's healthy for me. Right before I go to the gym, I eat one of these Built Bars, and I'm ready to go. It feels good. It makes me feel good. It tastes good. And honestly, that's the best thing about it. It's very hard to find things that taste good and that are healthy for you, but Built Bar is all about that. You can lose or maintain your weight while indulging in something that tastes so great because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for various different diets that you may be on. They have 18 different flavors. you got six new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, all getting in the holiday spirit, especially coming up. And we got to make sure that we're, uh, we're keeping back on track after that Thanksgiving di- dinner. So... Get something that'll help you out with that. That'll taste good and be healthy for you. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you get 20% off your next order. Simple as that. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Again, 20% off at BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKEDON. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. You know, Dave, you brought up when Missouri joined the SEC. I've always been fascinated by this because we actually had Sam Conn Jr. of ESPN.com join us earlier this week talking about uh, the Southwest Conference and how 25 years ago this week it came to an end. And Arkansas, when they joined the SEC, Razorback fans by and large have loved it. They, they loved the decision and still to this day think it was the right move. Looking at it from Missouri, because it's a little newer when they joined the SEC, are there any regrets from Missouri fans or anything that you've gotten of joining the SEC and some of them kind of still wishing maybe they were still in the Big 12? I, I hear more that Missouri fans, and this isn't, doesn't speak for all of them, I hear more regrets that they didn't join the Big 10 instead. Um, you know, things just got kind of toxic and very unstable in the Big 12 at the time. You had Nebraska and Colorado left. Um, uh, Oklahoma and Texas, it always seemed like they were threatening to leave. And Missouri was just, they were terrified that they were going to be left in this, in, in basically what would become a mid-major or they'd have to go to like the Mountain West or the Big East or something. Um, so I, I think when people think about the context of the time and the decision that they made, there are no regrets there because the SEC comes in and wanted a 14th team to go along with adding Texas A&M. It made all the sense in the world. Football program was, was going pretty strong under Gary Pinkle, and then they go and win the East Division two of the first three years in the league. Um, but, but now when you look at it too, um, Missouri doesn't make and spend – the money like most of the schools do in the SEC. And they, they spend more than ever before, but just not quite at the top tier of the league. Uh, basketball is not competed at the level that Missouri probably expected when they when they joined the SEC. Um, you know, football has, has kind of stalled, you know, under Odom. 
And then all of a sudden you see Florida and Georgia getting back to having, you know, top 10 teams. It makes life pretty hard. But I don't think fans necessarily look at it and say, gosh, I wish we were in the Big 12 because it would be easier. Uh, there are a lot of perks and there's a lot of good things that come along with being in such a high-profile league. It's just harder, and it, it, it forces you to, um, you know, compete at a different level on so many different things, not just on the field, but the way you spend money, the way you hire coaches, the way you build facilities. So I don't think fans necessarily regret it. I just think it's maybe a little harder than it was when Missouri win the, won, wins the East in 2013, 2014. They probably thought, oh, this SEC is not all it's cracked up to be. It's pretty easy. And, and I think over time, over almost a decade now, they realize, hey, this is a, it's pretty cutthroat to be in this conference. So why the Big Ten? Why are fans wishing that maybe it was the Big Ten? Is it for football only, or are they looking at sports as a whole? I think folks, you know, in, in maybe more so in the in the two cities in the Missouri. Missouri's a really strange state. You've got very two big metro areas, St. Louis and Kansas City. You've got some pretty vibrant college towns in, in Columbia. Um, even Springfield is a little bit more down in the southern part of the state, but uh, there's a, a, a little bit more progressive um, part of that part of the state there over in Arala, too. And then you've got, you know, 100% rural areas all around the state, too. So people look at things a little bit different depending on, you know, if a lot of Missouri fans, but where are you from kind of defines your perspective on a lot of things. And I think people in St. Louis um, on that side of the state, may have looked at it like we're a better fit culturally in the Big Ten, competing against teams like Illinois, Indiana, uh, the Michigan schools. And we see ourselves more as Midwesterners that, that could compete there, have a university that fits in better there than we do with schools like Alabama and Florida and South Carolina. Nothing against those schools, but, you know, that is that is the traditional South. And, and Missouri, kind of an odd fit there. But um, they, they're making it work, and I think – the more you know, the more we get past the, that era of conference realignment, you know, your proximity on the map has a little less to do with uh, with what conference you belong to because we see you know how it just completely changed the map as it is and, and how we've always kind of known it to be in college sports. That's Dave Matter, Mizzou athletics beat writer for St. Louis Post Dispatch, covering all things Missouri. He's a great follow on Twitter, best in the business. Dave underscore Matter is his Twitter handle. Dave, appreciate you joining us, man. It was great stuff. Great catching up with you. Enjoy the game this weekend, and hopefully, catch up with you later down the road, my man. Great, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also, get after me on Twitter at Buzz John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.